What is up, guys, and welcome to this special World Cup qualifier preview episode for Paraguay on Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Hanna. And guys, we are back for the final time this year. The World Cup qualifiers are happening again for Paraguay in a situation that is very much must win. We look at obviously two games that are basically two finals to determine whether Paraguay have a chance to go to the World Cup in Qatar or are about to be eliminated. We will discuss everything that's going on with uh, the new team that is being formed by our new manager, Guillermo Barsquelotto. As you know, he comes in to replace the sacked Eduardo Edizo, who was sacked after the loss against Bolivia. We will discuss that and more and obviously talk about what our hopes and chances and what we want to see from this side in Asuncion against Chile on on Thursday and then next week over there in Colombia. Uh, but before we get to this, and I'm going to introduce Fede on this one, we do have to, to have um, some sad news to report, of course, um, as one of the all-time greats in Paraguayan sport, we would say, um, has unfortunately passed away. So Fede, you know, I don't, I don't want to start on a somber note here, but we definitely have to give a special shout out to one of the greats in Paraguayan uh, sport. Yeah, hi, Roberto. Hi, Rob. Hi, everybody listening to What a New Vision. Unfortunately, we do have to give this news, right? Uh, it just happened actually yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday. He passed away on Monday, Dario Herrera. He was very well known for um, playing futsal FIFA, but he also played beach soccer. Actually, he played a World Cup. Rob was, was telling me about this right before going on the air. Um, he won a Libertadores with Cerro Porteño. He played in Olympia also. He played in several uh, teams in the countryside. He was a very loved person here, actually. Uh, he was only 33 years old. He had this complication out of nowhere with, uh, with a health issue. Uh, they had to put him in the hospital, and I think he was in the hospital for just about two days, and he passed away. I mean, it was so sudden. Uh, they were asking for money. They were, they were doing charity these last couple of days trying to trying to get some money for him, for his treatments. And unfortunately, before anybody could, could bring some money up, could, could do something for him, he actually, he left us. Uh, everybody is shocked over here. We didn't expect this. If you, if you say Dario Herrera here, everybody is going to think about futsal. Everybody's going to think about football de salon, which is five on five here. I mean, it's a sport that's very played here. A, a lot of people play here on the countryside, maybe even way more. Than, than field football, than, than 11 against 11 or seven against the seven. I mean, people in the countryside usually play a lot more this this small football, as they like to call it here, football chico, because it's only five on five. And Dario Herrera was a symbol of the futsal FIFA. He even played for the national team also. So, you know, he this was a very... It was a very well-known guy for the, for the for the sports scene here in Paraguay, and it just it, it took us all by surprise. I, I know Ralph, that lived here for several years, uh, also knows really well what uh, Dario Reda uh, meant for the for the futsal world here. Yeah, that's right, Pele. Uh, really tragic news because on on Friday night he played and and he scored a goal. I think it was the winning goal. And I remember in the post-match interview, he was saying he was feeling a bit under the weather. So, you know, to think from Friday to Monday, um, how, how that's happened is, you know, it's a shock for everybody. And, and to Fede's point about uh, 
Dario Herrera and, and football, I mean, I remember Cerro Porteño when they finally won a Copa Libertadores. It's, it's kind of a running joke here that, that Cerro have never managed to win the Libertadores, but they did in 2016 in, in futsal. And it was an amazing achievement because up until then, since the Copa Libertadores uh, futsal had been implemented, only Brazilian teams had won. So it had been 15 years of Brazilian dominance, different clubs, but always Brazilian teams. And it was Dario Herrera that he scores the first goal, which is an amazing goal from behind the halfway line. Then I think he makes an assist and, and they win 4-2. So he was, you know, pivotal in that, uh, that uh, Copa Libertadores win for, for Cerro. And then it's just a player that, that, that won everything. And to, to Fede's point, futsal is very popular in Paraguay. It's, it's televised. Uh, people might not understand coming from, let's say, England or, or especially the US, where this kind of thing wouldn't be televised. It's televised. It's, you know, it's, it's often a nice evening entertainment. Uh, you get really full crowds. The, the particular game I'm talking about on Friday night, I mean, that's, that's full. This is post, post-pandemic restrictions, I suppose, that they were allowed to to have full full stadiums but yeah it's, it's a hugely popular sport and it, and it's really sad that that Dario Herrera has, has left us and and I think everybody is still kind of in shock from the news yeah definitely it's um, obviously a sad news to to obviously report on and you know all our thoughts are given to the family and friends of Dario Herrera and obviously we hope that they are now at peace uh, during this tough time but obviously let's switch gears to what also is very important for Paraguayan sport in these qualifiers that are coming up, obviously two big games against Chile um, over there, the Defensores del Chaco under the new manager, Guillermo Barros-Queloto, his first match. And, you know, you look at how obviously we see this Paraguay side, I think coming back after, you know, really going through really what was a, a gut-wrenching October, you know, three games, only one point coming it from Argentina at home and then losing to Chile away and then Bolivia away, which ultimately left um, the which uh, sealed Berizzo's fate as manager. So in comes Garo Schelotto. And, you know, Fede, I want to go to you on this one as well to start off our conversation. I think we are looking into a Paraguay side that, for lack of better words, has to come into this as a must-win. And we say this all the time with all, with all these games that are must-wins and must-wins, but until, of course, it is mathematically impossible for Paraguay to make it to one of the top five spots at the World Cup, we just have to go with what works. And for this game against Chile, it's the must win. And, you know, I think obviously you want to get off onto the right foot, new manager, new team. We're already starting to see some lineups come about. We're going to talk about what we want to see. But looking at the squad that Skeloto, Barros Skeloto has selected, we do see some of the similar names. We had mentioned before um, the teams, uh, the players that are coming from abroad, looking at the players that came from the national team playing in the national league, we have Alfredo Aguilar, the, uh, the goalkeeper of Olympia, Alberto Espino, a player that was actually very missed, uh, back in the early qualifiers due to an injury, but right back at Cerro Bordeño, uh, Picalucena, obviously a crucial midfielder for both club and country and Julio Enciso, the young Paraguayan sensation at Libertad, the 17 year old. So we look at a side that is maintaining the base of players that have been been part of this qualifying process since the very beginning under Erizo, even before that, when he started at the Copa America, and it wasn't going to change anytime soon. And you could say that's probably a positive thing looking into this game against Chile. 
it's now or never for our national team. I mean, the games before, you know, they were crucial, they were important, but this is just now or never. You need to win this game against Chile to have some sort of life against Colombia, which is going to be our second rival on these uh, double header that we're going to have in November. And then you're going to have some months off until you play again. So it's very important to win one of these two games, at least. I mean, that's what we need to do, right? To stay alive. So not, so the rest of the teams don't get away from us. That's actually what happened after Berizzo left. I mean, he not only left us a really bad team, a team that wasn't hitting uh, the goal anymore, that wasn't getting strikes, uh, a team that, you know, you weren't, you didn't know what to expect from the defense anymore. Uh, our best player lately was our goalkeeper, Anthony Silva, and not much more than that. I mean, the team wasn't showing much lately, so you needed to make a change. And I do think Baros Celoto, the, the, this new coaching staff, has brought a, a new kind of fresh air to the squad. Uh, even though the players, from the players, from the names, it hasn't changed much. I mean, maybe a smaller squad. Uh, he took a couple of less players from the National League. Uh, but I think this has to do with more of the way that he likes to work, that he doesn't like to leave players out, out of the game. So he's going to have everybody available for these two games. And he doesn't want that many people at the practice, right? He doesn't want that many people uh, to get away from his strategy because you, that's pretty much it. I mean, you have two, three days tops with the players. You don't have m more than that right now. So you don't have time to really put in an idea to change much around. So you have to use pretty much the same players that Berizzo was using and try to see if you can build something different out of them. I mean, this is more going to be about the players because it's going to be more on them. I believe this is, these guys are the same. I mean, if he changes it up a bit, he, he might throw one or two new names maybe in the starting lineup, but the rest, these are players that we've seen. These are players that haven't made it lately. I mean, these are players that have failed lately too. uh, take advantage of the chances that have come against in front of them. I mean, let's remember what happened to Tony Sanabria in Quito. I mean, he, he missed a very important penalty for us. Uh, I mean, the, uh, Miguel Almiron has yet to, to fill in the, the spot of the star that we thought he was going to be in this squad. Uh, the same I could say for Gustavo Gomez, our captain, our, uh, our best defender, defender player uh, in the South American game lately, you know, uh, I'm expecting more from the players than the than the coaching staff for these particular two games, just because I think the coaching staff can have can they I think the the change can have some sort of effect on the players, but you can't expect that much of a change with just two or three practices. Uh, I just hope the attitude changes. Uh, I hope the players are moved by the fact that we're going to have a stadium packed like we haven't had uh, on the last games. Uh, what was it last time around? It was 50% of the, of the stadium capacity. This time, this time is going to be a hundred percent. So hopefully the stadium does get packed. I, I don't think people have really have a reason to go see this pair of wine side because of what they've shown lately, but hopefully people do go to the stadium. Hopefully we have a lot of people at the stands and chatting and, and hopefully pushing these guys for a better, game than last time we played Chile because last time we played Chile we had a lot of opportunities we let them pass and then we sought the best out of Chile right I mean we were expecting Mauricio Isla to come at us and they have a couple of players that are going to be back for this crucial game and it's a very important match for them also they were dead a couple of games ago and we gave them life in that game against Santiago and they're going to come here looking for more points which is what we need right now 
I find we're, we're in a very similar position to the one that Chile were in when Paraguay went to Santiago two games ago, because now Chile are in the ascendancy and it's in their hands, the, the qualification or, or pretty much in their hands. They're, they're right there on the, on the cusp of, of qualification. And Paraguay is the one looking like they're one, one defeat and they're out. So it will be very interesting to see first the mentality of Baroskeloto and how he will try and implement that on the players and then the players themselves, because as Fede mentions, it's, it's pretty much the, the same group of players, very, very few changes. And so it's more a question, I think, for Skeloto to do two things. One is confidence, which is so important. I was actually watching, talking about Chile, I was watching an interview with Ben Brereton, uh, who was being interviewed about his time in, in Blackburn and going to Chile. And, and he was talking about the confidence, how much it helped him, because he didn't have a good season last year in, in Blackburn. But it's helped him so much playing with the Chilean national team and with these top players. And it gives you that confidence that, hey, I can do this. And so for him, second division football in, in England has become much easier. So that's one thing that Scalotto needs to do with, with this team is get that confidence. And the other is implement a system that's very simple. It, we don't have time to have some kind of Pep Guardiola, Bielsa system that the players need to adapt to. There just simply isn't time. It's two or three training sessions. Um, two, point, two key player changes that I think we might see compared to the game in Santiago that could help Paraguay. One is, if you remember, Villasanti was, he was either suspended or injured for that game in Santiago. He didn't play. So I think Matias Villasanti has been such an important player to, to Paraguay. He's pressuring off the ball when when Paraguay don't have the ball, which is a lot of the time, that's, that's been very important. And then at left back, we'll have, we should have Hector Martinez back, the River Plate defender. Again, he missed the last combo through injury. And he's been a really good player. And I think if you remember how important Mauricio Isla was down the right-hand side for Chile, that's the kind of player you might want there to try and counteract that. But it's a tough task for the Skelotas. I was looking recently at, the, there's a saying in, in Spanish, right? That técnico que debuta gana. So the, the coach that makes his debut wins. But that's not so true of Paraguay. In recent years, only Chiquiase has managed that. So you have Berizo Drew, eh, Ramon Diaz Drew, even Tata Martino lost his very first game as, as Paraguay coach. So it's not an easy thing. And it's not a given that just because you make your, your debut, you win. So tough. Oh, Roberto points out to me in the chat, Berisa lost his first game, even worse. So it was, it was Ramon Diaz through. And who would be the other one that drew? Hmm. May, maybe it's Genes. Yeah, Genes did a 3-3 draw. Uh, that's right. With Germany all those, all those years ago. So yeah, it's, it's not a given that just because they have a new manager, they will win. Um, but there's two key changes, the, the small changes, but someone like Villasanti and Hector Martinez, having them back in key positions, that could really help. Oh, and Chile are missing, don't forget, Arangis. Arangis is, uh, is injured. He played, of course, in the game in Santiago. He was actually sent off against Paraguay, but he would have been back from suspension to play this game again. And that's a really key player in their midfield. So with Villasanti back, Arangis out. That maybe shifts the balance towards Paraguay going into this one.
And certainly for a game like this, and, you know, I want to bring back the conversation to you guys, you guys, whoever can jump in. But I think from the get-go, you know, this team needs to get goals. And that's something that we have lacked for quite some time. Obviously, we haven't scored in the last three games. Um, You know, I I think if you can not really ask for much from obviously because we're going to see the same players, but Baros Keloto has a huge huge amount of pressure and he has to change that attitude that chip that Bediso wasn't able to do um I think that that is really the only way is that these players really step up to the challenge and go from the get-go because when you're at not one not only because you're at home but two because obviously you're in a situation where you have to score goals and win so Fede I mean you know I'll go to you on this one because I think looking at some of the lineups that we're seeing obviously this is not confirmed as we are still uh, less than 48 hours from the from the game against uh, Chile, but you know, looking at some of the players, you still see some of the same names as usual. You see Anthony Silva and Gold, Robert Rojas possibly playing in defense with Gustavo Gomez and Junior Alonso coming back into that center pair, center back pairing. Usually, we would see Omar Lerete, but he's been suspended, of course, if you remember. Hector Martinez playing in that left back position, the front, the midfield three, which was so vital and I think is very vital in any type of Barros Guelato team. Got Morel possibly playing in that five role alongside Villasanti and Matias Rojas, a player actually that uh, Barros Guelato coached at Lanús. So he's obviously a player that he knows. And looking at the front three, three players that obviously have been through different situations. Miguel Miron, obviously not having the best of season so far at Newcastle. He really hasn't stepped up for the Paraguay national team in a lot of games now, actually. Anton Romero, a player that has consistently been able to score in games during the qualifying process. And Antonio Sanare, like you said, who missed the penalty in La Paz, actually, Fede, not Quito. But yeah, I right. think um, <laughs> I think this is it. Like This is the best that we can offer. And now it's up to these guys to go onto the attack and and go forward because that's the only way you're going to have to do it. I mean, this is how I personally think. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that's really the only way, honestly. Yeah. It's a learning process for most of these guys also. Right. And it's been that way for them uh, through their career, just playing for the national team. Also just trying to get Paraguay to the world cup. I mean, most of these guys have been around for a while. Some of them have been part of just this process, trying to get to the, the next World Cup, which is Qatar, uh, the case being Jorge Morel, who has just been brought to the national team. Matias Villasanti is also a new name. Matias Rojas, if he's going to play in that midfield. Hector Martinez. I mean, some names are new to us still in the national team, but they, they need to step it up because uh, people are waiting here to go to the... and expecting to go to the next World Cup. I mean... Uh, Player by player, you think that you can build up a good team, but they just haven't looked at, as a good team or as a solid team. That midfield, uh, you know, Berizzo, uh tried out so many players, even those that are coming back. Matias Rojas, Celso Ortiz, which are back. Uh, they were caught by, by Barros Echeloto this time. And, you know, maybe they have a second chance. Maybe it's a rematch for them also. For Mati Rojas, I think it is going to be a rematch, and especially with somebody that knows him very well, like Steloto, and maybe they can get the best out of him. He's a very offensive kind of player, and I do think he, he can be a very good complement for what uh, Angel Romero, uh, Antonio Sanabria, and Miguel Amiron were kind of lacking in that midfield, right? Um, 
Lucena is out, so you have a spot there available. And who better to take that spot than Matias Rojas? I do think he's going to be there in that midfield. And Morel and Villasanti have been there lately. So that's kind of a society that Berizzo was trying to build up around. I mean, I actually was getting used to those three names, right? Pica Lucena, Jorge Morel, and Villasanti. Those were kind of our three names lately with Berizzo. But that, that didn't actually give us good football. That, that was no guarantee either. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from these guys, especially because the stake is very high right now. And you're going up against teams that are ready for the next World Cup also. I mean, Chile, you look at their base of players, and these are all players that have already won championships. These, these are guys that want to go to the next World Cup because they want to they wanna close up their career that way. They want to close it up in big, in big style, you know, and we're trying to build up something totally new. Now with Celoto, I'm actually really worried about what you were talking about, uh, putting the focus on our forwards, putting the focus on those three players that are going to play up there. Uh, Angel Romero has been very important. I, I do think he was more, more important on those first games than on the, le- on the, on the last games, especially because I, I do think he's been kind of feeling uh, the pressure of not playing, especially uh, for, for a club team. And Celoto kind of had to talk about that before this game, uh, saying that, they're not ready for 90 minutes. Uh, Angel Romero and his brother, his twin brother, Oscar, be just because they're not in rhythm, that they, they haven't been playing lately. So we'll see if Angel Romero, how much he's going to play, if he's going to start the game or if he's going to come in on, as a sub in the second half. You're, you're eventually going to use him just because of the quality of a player that he is and especially because he's our top scorer. I mean, right now, if you keep Angel Romero away from this team, you're also taking away all the goals, the few goals that this team has scored uh, up until now. I'm waiting for from goals also from Miguel Almiron, even though I, I'm not, my hopes are not that up there because Miggy has never been a, a striker or, or a guy that has been able to put himself in the box and score a lot in clubs and neither on, on the national team, but I do think he is a playmaker. So I'm waiting for that from him. I'm waiting for Miggy Almiron to make plays, to, to win to win uh, individual uh, challenges and and hopefully make place for the rest of the guys that are around him. I, I do think that Matias Rojas can be a good compliment for him and somebody to work around him because I do I do feel and most of the times that I see Almiron, I kind of see him uh, as a loner sometimes and not having somebody to build football around. I, I do think Matias Rojas can be a very compliment, a very good compliment in that way. And I'm worried about our nine. I'm worried about our center forward. I'm worried about Antonio Sanabria. I'm worried about Carlos Gonzalez just because this is a spot that still has no owner. We don't know who our center forward really is. And they're not, uh, they're not going through a very good moment right now in their clubs either. I mean, Five games in between the last time we saw them with the national team, both of them, Antonio Sanabria in Italy and Carlos Gonzalez in Mexico. Carlos Gonzalez has not scored in the last five games that he played. And Tony Sanabria, one goal in those five games. Maybe maybe he comes in a little bit hot, so maybe this ends up uh, making Celoto pick him over Carlos Gonzalez. I would like to see Carlos Gonzalez just because of the, of the quality that he brings uh, uh, and because he he has that 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 high press and he can also uh, he can also header in, in the box. I, he has he, he has that that strength with him, right? And I do think it's kind of that game that you're gonna have to throw it up there sometimes. And I don't see Tony Sanabria 
being that player. So uh, if I've had to choose a center pole right now, I would say Carlos Gonzalez, but it's, I think it's between him and, and Antonio Sanabra because, because Luis Amarillo, which is our third center forward, he hasn't been playing lately in, in Ecuador. I mean, he lost totally uh, his starting role on, on his club. So I'm kind of worried about their center forwards, really. And that's key to scoring against Chile, Rob. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because Sanabria gives you a bit more mobility, but then Carlos Gonzalez gives you more physical presence. I would say I would probably go towards Carlos Gonzalez as well, thinking that let's play, if we're going to play more simple football, go a bit more vertical at times, or even try and score from set pieces. How about that? Um, then somebody like Gonzalez makes sense. But also with, it's the problem he isn't playing much either uh, at Tigres. He was on the bench at the, at the weekend. So all of these, there's a lot of players that, that don't have many minutes in the, in the team. Almiron did start at the weekend, but he also has been on the bench recently. So it's, it's really hard to, to find who's your hot player or, or that's really on form that you want to, to put in. The, the one player I'm also interested for you guys to, to tell me about as well, what you think is Caco Romero, because Caco Romero has been kind of the best creative player for Paraguay, but you do worry about him. If you have him and you wanted Almiron, then it's very difficult to have any balance in the team defensively. So it's almost you have to go one and the other. And do you go the guy that's playing quite well in Saudi Arabia or do you play go for the guy that's in the Premier League and... Maybe that's where Almiron wins the wins the bracelet, as we would say in Spanish, to translate from Spanish. Um, the other thing, Roberto, you said something about starting well, but Paraguay's really big problem has been finishing well. They've conceded seven goals in the last 15 minutes in these World Cup qualifiers. And even against Chile, I remember they got to the halftime nil-nil and the two goals that Chile ended up scoring were in the second half. So there is really an issue there. I don't know if it's if it was concentration. Maybe it was with Berisso playing so long without the ball is obviously more tiring because you have to do more running. You have to do more chasing. You, you have to concentrate much more if you're defending the whole time. So maybe there was something there and, and we might see with, with Scalotta a slightly more offensive team to start and, and that won't be an issue. But that's really plagued Paraguay throughout this uh, throughout this World Cup qualifying campaign with the, the late goals. Interestingly, Chile have a have a slight problem with that as well. The 15-minute period where they are more likely to concede is also the last 15 minutes. But, yeah, there's, there's a couple of questions, I think, there with, with the striker, the, the balance, if you have Almiron or Kaku, and then how do they see out the game if they are in a winning position or or even at nil-nil, how do they see out that game and, and not, not lose it at the end? Because they've, they've done that on several occasions in this qualifying campaign. Celoto has to be fearless, Roberto. That's, that has to be the big difference with Berizzo. I mean, Berizzo was getting accustomed to tying games. He, he, was, getting, he was getting too comfortable with the ties. He, he was kind of scared to lose lately. And Celoto doesn't have that margin. He has to go at these games. He has to put offensive teams in there and his subs also have to be very offensive because he has to look for the points. This team can't tie anymore. 
No, absolutely not. I think he has to be very much proactive. And, and I think that's really the only way that Paraguay are able to get the results that they need. You know, like you said, Ralph, it's a really good point. They are a side that definitely need to maintain their leads. They need to stop conceding so late in the last few minutes of the matches. And, and I think that's ultimately how, you know, for, for Skeloto's case, you know, that kind of new energy, new value of fresh air, you know, what can be expected? We don't know. And obviously we go into the game against Colombia, you know, we're not going to talk too much of what's going to happen there. Cause again, we don't know what to expect from this game against Chile, but you would think that if you're able to get a positive result and by positive, I mean, win, then that gives you much more motivation to go to Colombia where historically, and Ralph can help me on this one. Um, Paraguay have gotten results over there in, in Colombia, not, not so much in Mayanquilla, but obviously in Colombia overall. But, you know, ultimately, I, I think the point is to win this one. And, and, you know, we have to see what these players are going to do. I think ultimately we have to see these players playing in their proper positions to be able to be very much um, just useful and proactive and, and very much control the game as much as they can. You know, we talk about this case of having possession, but, you know, we obviously lost that during the day um, as the qualifiers came back. Now is the time to attack and go for it on the get-go. I think that's, that's the only way, Feather. And, you know, I think that's, that's really what we can expect from this Paraguay side. So we have to see what we can get from them, obviously, as we close out with my favorite part and obviously the most difficult ones and probably the most difficult of the qualifiers that we've had so far. You know, we were 12 games in, but this is the one where you got to go with your heart, but you also got to be honest. Um, predictions. Fede, I'll go to you on this one. Obviously, Paraguay will take on Chile. The last time these two faced each other, Paraguay defeated Chile in a 2-1 win straight off of the Copa America win, actually. So they have some history. Chile have gotten results in Paraguay before that. But, before, but of course, Paraguay have historically have had a good, decent record at home against uh, La Roja. So what is your take on this one? And... If is anything less than a win, is the World Cup over for Paraguay? Oof, that's that's that last question is really tough because it depends also on the on the other games, right? But um, I, I really like to beat certain teams in the South American game, and Chile is one of those teams that I love to beat just because of the way they play, that they, they they really come at us and they try to even take advantage of of our weaknesses, just like they did in Santiago, right? I mean, they waited for their moment in the, in the match and they took over and we, we had no saying after they started scoring. So uh, I do think that there's kind of a, uh, it's, it's a final definitely here for the players. And I do think that the atmosphere and everything that's surrounding this game is going to kind of help the players to win this game. And I do think, they're going to extend this situation of trying to get to the next World Cup. Uh, I think we're going to get a reality check in Colombia just because I do see Colombia kind of growing again and they have just so much talent. And that's just a, a national team that I, that I really respect, especially because of the quality players that they have. And because it's really hard to play over there in, in Colombia, the humidity, uh, uh, the, the, the trip also is very long for us from Paraguay. There's not that many days in between. Uh, we'll see how much uh, Stelotto turns it around. But I'm going to say a win against Chile here. Uh, I'm even going to go a little bit more. I'm going to say that we're going to beat them by two goals. 
And then we're going to go to Colombia and unfortunately lose by a goal. So then, so that's a win and a loss. I don't think, I don't know how, if that's going to still keep us there on the run. I don't know if that's going to still gives us, gives us a, an opportunity for the, for the games that are going to come back in next year. But, you know, out of these six games, we, we got to win four, right? I mean, winning four, we're, we're back in this. We're going to pretty much be in there. So I think that should be the mentality behind this, behind this situation. You got six finals, you got to win four of them. And, and windows at home will be very important. So we, we got to build that again, our home ground, especially with, with all the people in our defensores at Chaco, that has to be our fort. That has to be our home ground and we need to get strong there again. So uh, uh, let's hope that, that we win against Chile. And of course, let's hope we are wrong against Colombia, of course, and let's see, we get all three <laughs> points in that, but Ralph, same question to you. How do you view Javi uh, Roja and Barros Queloto's first two games as in charge of the man, of, of the team? So I remember when we did this last time, we all said we would beat Chile because we saw it as the easy game of that, that triple header. And we were all very wrong. I think we all suggested we might draw with Argentina. We are right there and, and maybe lose to Bolivia. It, it would be very close. Uh, now this Chile team is is harder, but I do see that Paraguay haven't performed badly at home. They, they've underperformed at home. They haven't won games. They should have won, and they ended up drawing. But other, other than the defeat to Brazil, which is a very good Brazil team that anybody could lose to, they, they've done okay in this, in this qualifiers. So I do think with the stadium full, with the new manager bounce, with Chile maybe missing a, a player in, in Arangis. And, and when Chile come confident, they've often slipped up against Paraguay. I remember when they came as Copa America champions. I can't remember if it was after the first one or the second one, but they came and after the second one, 2016, they came and Oscar Romero scored after very early on and, and Paraguay like rushed to a two-goal lead. And Vidal couldn't believe it. I remember I was at the game that day and Vidal was just kind of stunned with what was going on because he felt they were going to walk into that, that game with a victory. So, so I could see us doing the job in, in Santiago. In Barranquilla, the one thing I noticed with, with Colombia recently is that they've tended to draw a lot of games. They, they've had a, a run of nil-nil draws. And so they called Falcao back to try and to try and find maybe some of those goals they're missing. And Falcao, of course, is now injured. So even though they do have such good players, especially uh, Diaz for Porto is, is a great player. Even though they do have some amazing players, they have, for whatever reason, struggled a little bit on the goal front. So maybe, well, let's say we get a draw there. I, I think maybe we can we can sneak a draw. And that puts us right in it because Uruguay is really struggling. Uruguay have got a bunch of injuries. They have to go to, no, they have to play Argentina at home first. It's a very difficult game. Then they go to La Paz. It's, it's conceivable Uruguay takes zero points. And then if Paraguay have taken four, we're right there again. We're right on the... On the verge, and guess who our next game is? I know I'm looking too far ahead now, but guess who our next game is in March? It's Uruguay at home. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm talking about whether we're in or out. Even if we were to lose in Colombia, if we only pick up three points, we, we're still definitely in because of the 
the way those games rack up and because Uruguay would be the next opponent, that it's all so tight. So I, I think as long as we take three points from these two games, we're, we're still in with a good shout. It's definitely going to be a, uh, now or never for this Paraguay side. I'm going to have to agree more on Ralph rather than Fede. I do see Paraguay getting onto the get-go and getting a win against Chile. Obviously, everything has to be perfect for them to get the results. Obviously, go from the get-go. And, and so I see that. I'm going to see a tight game, but I think it might be enough for them to, to win. I'm going to say 2-1 if I'm going to give a score. In Barranquilla, however, I think, yes, Colombia have struggled in recent games, but they are still a difficult opponent. But, you know, I, I think Paraguay and Colombia games have always been close, no matter where they play. Caranquilla, Asuncion, neutral ground, whatever it may be. I see a similar task in this one. And I think that if they're able to get a draw over there, which I do see, I see a 1-1 draw. I think that does put them in a good spot to still qualify. Of course, this all depends on other results and other teams as well, which Paraguay shouldn't be in this case, but they are. And uh, yeah, four points from these two games. Uh, sorry, yeah, four points from these two games would probably put them back into contention for the qualifiers. The only other team, I have a really interesting stat for you guys. I think you're going to like this one. Paraguay had the same amount of points as Peru did in for the 2018 World Cup. So anything's possible. And you know what happens to Peru when they ended up qualifying. So Anything's possible for the Paraguay side. And let's hope that under this new manager, Baros Queloto, that they're able to, to get it. And obviously, this is a perfect way to close another great episode of Guarani Vision on a World Cup, pre, World Cup qualifier preview episode. For myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.